Morning, church. Um, I'll be reading from Acts 2, uh, verse 42 to 47. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe overcame them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Darren. Just take a moment to pray before we reflect on these words. Father, we thank you that uh, in this day and age we have such wonderful access to the scriptures uh, to allow you to that, that allow you to speak to us in in words that are historic and have inspired the church through the ages. Lord, what a privilege we we have um, to be able to access your word so freely. And Lord, as this um, picture of the church that we've just read um, sits in the back of our minds and in the forefront of our minds as well this morning, we just pray that you would. Um, you would, that we would hear what you have to say to us each individually really clearly, Lord, that um, the Holy Spirit uh, would be allowed to speak here and allowed to um, move in our hearts um, to shape us um, just that little bit more like you, Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would uh, help me to speak clearly uh, what you have for us as a church this morning. Um, in the words I've prepared, that, Lord, we would be able to hear um, from you um, and respond in obedience to what you have for us. Father, I pray you would be the one who is glorified this morning, that you, Holy Spirit, would be allowed to uh, minister to us freely without resistance from any hard hearts, mine included. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, so the passage that... uh, Aaron just read from is, is a, a beautiful picture, I find, of, of the church and what it can be when the Holy Spirit moves um, among ordinary people uh, and, and, and when ordinary people uh, receive what the, the Spirit is doing and, and are radically obedient to God. Um, I, I, I'd just love to come back to this passage not as some ideal that could never be realised and and is just impossible in today's world. But that is entirely possible when we as Christians yield to uh, Jesus' desire for us and it's possible when we yield to the work of the Holy Spirit. Um, I want you to imagine with me for a minute that we are a hiking group and we're about to set off on on a big hike And um, it's a serious hike. It's not a beginner's one. It's got some rough terrain and there's going to be some some weather that's pretty rough. And uh, there's a number of key checkpoints along the way, uh, but there's an ultimate goal, like there's a destination that we wish to reach. We're not just going anywhere. Um, And we we not only hope that we will reach that ultimate destination um, somewhere into the future um, that's ahead of us, but also that many others will join us along the way, that when we stop for camp, others will go, I want to join this group too, and that they'll keep going with us and, and eventually reach that destination. So you got that picture in your mind? Okay, we've got our backpacks on our back, 
we've got our gear, we're setting off on a hike. In a similar way, that a church family that is positioned like us here in Canning Vale has a spiritual destination that we want to reach. Uh, uh, we want to, uh, there's a path there as well towards that destination um, with many checkpoints along the way, many stop-offs where we'd camp for the night. And that destination, that spiritual destination as, as a church family is a vision, is our vision. Um, for us at the Billabong, it ends uh, like this. This is kind of the ultimate part, is that communities be transformed. Um, that whole communities around us, in the place where God has positioned us locally, are transformed and shaped by the gospel, the good news of Jesus. That he comes to save and, and to restore us into relationship with God. Um, that these communities are shaped by the presence of God flooding through every household and every street and every workplace and every playground and community facility and shopping centre and all the places around our community. That the presence of God floods those places. And, and this is our, our vision. This is that destination. And it's big. It's not, it's not a small thing. It's not something we can do on our own. It's a really big one. Um, it's believing that God can and indeed will answer the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, which was, Lord, uh, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. On earth. Heaven on earth in the communities around us. Now, this goes hand in hand with the, the family of faith thriving, thriving faith family. God's chosen vessel, I find this incredible, but God's chosen vessel to bring transformation to the world is the church. It's, it's just mind-boggling. It's a, in God's incomparable wisdom, he uses this dysfunctional group of people uh, with every issue known to mankind, every kind of baggage you can think of. We have it, right? Because we're human beings. And yet God uses us. To, to release his presence across the world, to communicate the good news of Jesus to all humanity, the best news ever. He, he, he creates us to thrive as a, as a spiritual family, not just survive and, and get by in life, to grow and reproduce and, and partner with the Holy Spirit to enact change in the communities around us. This is God's incredibly uh, uh, unique vision for his church that we would thrive, thriving faith family. But the church, of course, is made up not just of one big uh, glob, but of individuals. We are all together as individuals forming this big faith family. And corporate renewal, once I heard, uh, heard somebody say this recently, corporate renewal is always preceded by personal renewal. Corporate renewal and transformation is always preceded by personal transformation. And for the church to thrive, it needs people. You and I, individuals, ordinary people who are fully alive, whose hearts are set more and more and becoming like their, like their master and saviour, Jesus, the people more like Jesus. And so this is the pathway to this, which is the pathway to this. This is uh, all together we want to be here, but it starts with people more like Jesus. And so this is why we spent you know, uh, 10 months, most of last year, uh, looking at the life of Jesus in, in Mark's Gospel. Um, personal transformation leads to church-wide transformation leads to city transformation. Uh, and so it starts with us living and loving like Jesus. Imagine again, though, that we're on that hike, right? We're about to set off and uh, 
we, we've just woken up first thing in the morning and we're, we're, we're at one checkpoint and we're, we're, we need to make our way to the next uh, spot by nightfall. Um, we're ready to go and we are packing up camp and getting ready for the day. Now, we would, the first thing that we would do is, is ensure that we have the right supplies and equipment, right? Like if you're going to go on a long hike, um, even a part of a long hike that's a whole day, then you would make sure that you have what you need, all the essentials uh, to get there safely without completely being exhausted and drained and getting sick or anything like that. Uh, it's a very hot day. So what do we pack our backpack with? What are the essentials? Just shout them out to me. What do you think? What do we take? All right. Food and water. That's probably number one. I think I've got my water bottle here. Yep. Okay. There we go. That's the first, the very first thing. We need to make sure we're not only hydrated, but nourished with food to, to get to the place we need to go. Otherwise, we'll just burn out. And go, we can't make it any further part way through. Um, what would be next? Yeah, so shelter, but also like protective clothing. So shelter on our own backs. So we need protective clothing, um, probably a shirt that's a little bit more substantial than, than just an exercise shirt like this. But we need good, good clothing, even sun cream and hat and all that kind of thing. What else? Now, there's no GPS uh, and there's no signs with where to go. So what other things would we need to make it to the destination? Uh, yeah, I heard compass. And also maps. So those are, those are the other two things. Uh, where's my map? Somewhere, somewhere in here. Okay, so here's my map. And I know this is not a compass, but um, it's, it's a lid with an arrow drawn on it. I think the compass has another little arrow as well, doesn't it? Anyway, so there's my, there's my compass, my map, my water and food, and my protective clothing. Now, I know there's probably a few other things that were going to be handy depending on the, situ uh, on the conditions, but let's go with those four for today. Um, Band-aids for your blisters, yes, all that kind of thing. Um, thinking then about our, our church as a family of believers heading towards the next stop or destination, what do we need with us at all times? What, what, needs to be, what are the essentials to help us stay on track, to not burn out, to keep moving forward? Um, what sort of things did the church, for example, in Acts 2 that we just read earlier, uh, really cling to what was significant, essentials for them. They want to talk about four things this morning that our team feel like are essentials on a hike. They're not the only things, but they're some of those first priorities that if we're to keep moving forward towards that, that vision, that destination, um, then we would need them at the forefront all times. I'm going to connect them to those four hiking essentials, uh, food and water, clothing, map and compass. The first is a hunger for God. Now, this might sort of seem, seem obvious, but to regularly and consistently be refueled and replenished uh, with the presence of God, um, in a sense, it should go without saying, but so often we can go about our, our life as individuals or our life as a church even, doing things that don't really require that spiritual nourishment, that spiritual uh, hunger for God, that dependence on God. It's so much easier just to, to kind of go through the motions. And, and in a way, not really need God for what we do. Uh, the danger with not needing, desperately needing God for everything, is that we adjust the vision. We go, you know what, let's not worry about trying to reach that destination because that's impossible. Like, we really just can't get there on our own strength. And so we adjust the vision, we pull it back and go, let's just get to here 
instead of saying, no, 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 we don't have what we need to get there on our own. We need the presence of God with us every step of the way. We need God, a hunger for God. We, uh, for our particular vision, what we've said is, is where we want to head up, communities being transformed by the power of the gospel. We, we have Buckley's chance on our own. We need God, right? Uh, and so we need a, a genuine hunger for more of God's presence, more of his spirit, to empower us, to, to transform us as individuals and communally, to lead us, guide us. And when I read about um, the church in the book of Acts, I see this hunger I was reading through Acts, as some of you did, during January, and there's this hunger for God, hunger for God, dependence on the Spirit uh, all the way through. We're taking 21 days this this month uh, to pray and fast, to rely on God for what lies next. Um, In the 11 days leading up to Pentecost, which is when we're going to celebrate our 20th birthday, our goal is to have 10 24-hour periods in a row, so 240 hours, of a prayer meeting in, the, in the, um, the prayer room. In other words, somebody praying at every single one of those hours all the way through 240 hours, um, a 24-hour pr- you know, prayer in that room for, for 10 days. Uh, there's actually already a sign-up sheet on the door. It's more than three months away, but we want to prepare for this, to have that time set aside. We are going to mark this change in season when we hit our birthday in prayer and seeking the Lord. Um, Jesus said to the enemy, the devil, when he was being tested in the wilderness, man does not live by what? Bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. He also said to his disciples, I have food that you know nothing of. I have food that you know nothing of. Most importantly on this journey, we need a hunger for uh, not physical things, but for God. Secondly, we need radical community. And uh, we won't get far in this, this journey without each other because there's so much opposition if we're naked and exposed and trying to go it alone. See, we are not in easy terra- spiritual terrain in Perth. I'm not sure if you've noticed this. It's not an easy place spiritually. So there are some places in the world, um, I remember my Bible college lecturer used to say this, there are some places in the world where you can go and stand on a street corner and say, Jesus loves you. He died for you. He wants to know you. And you would then be a pastor because 50 people would come to Jesus and all of a sudden they'd need someone to disciple them. In Perth, in this kind of spiritual climate, you say, Jesus loves you, he died for you, and people sometimes are more likely to say, how dare you be so small-minded and uneducated? That's the kind of spiritual resistance we sometimes get. Not, spiritual resi- not resistance to um, loving and, 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 and loving people in word and deed, but the gospel itself is just like, well, we don't, we don't well, I'm not sure about this Jesus person. If we're to travel through this terrain... We need like protective clothing like you'd need on a tough hike. And of course, that protective clothing that we need starts with Ephesians 6, the armour of God. But it also is people who will stick as close to you as the sweaty shirt on your back. Now, I don't just say that for dramatic effect. I really mean it. I really mean real, stinky, messy, ugly even Christian community that's got your back, that's real close, and sometimes so uncomfortable, 
uncomfortably close, so you think, oh my goodness, this thing's getting annoying. But you need it. You need that protective clothing, if you like. Radical, intentional, close, sacrificial community is it's getting a whiff of garlic breath when someone prays for you and lays hands. It's, it's smelling what deodorant someone's wearing or not wearing when they're in worship close to you and lifting their arms. I mean, that's, that's Christian, real, sacrificial community. It's, it's quite simply family, right? It's, and, and not, I mean, there's family in the, like, second cousin twice removed, you know, but then there's family, like, close family where there's much more intimacy in the relationship and sometimes it's much more comfortable, uh, uncomfortable, but it's, it's re- more rewarding. Again, the danger of neglecting something like this radical, intentional, close community is that we compromise on the vision. We just kind of we reposition the destination that we're going for because we just prefer to, to be a bit more comfortable and retreat under a shady tree. Instead of praying with one another and, and confessing our sins to one another, that's not comfortable. Uh, sharing our deepest burdens. It's so much easier to retreat to, you know, talking about the weather and sport and whatnot. There's nothing wrong with sharing our lives and having fun. That's got to be part of it. A radical Christian community goes deeper, gets personal and, and, and really real, um, as close as the, the sweaty shirt protecting your back from the scorching sun. Maybe uh, God's tapping you on the shoulder. Maybe he has been for a while uh, tapping you on the shoulder to consider starting a, a life group. Um, or, or even just gathering a few people to, to pray and, 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 and walk together in faith and see where that leads. Um, maybe you're part of a life group, but you've sort of not let people in as much, and it's time to go, you know what, I'm going to be more honest. I'm gonna, maybe it's that you've been honest, but you need to ask them, how can I pray for you in your own life group? What does radical, intentional, discipling community look like for you? When you have a think about that, as we move forward this year. Thirdly, and represented by the map for me, is what our, um, our group, our leaders, have come to refer to informally as Mr. and Ms. Canningvale. Um, and what we mean by this is a, a desire for those in our local communities who don't know Jesus to meet him. It's introducing people to Jesus. If you want a theological term, it's evangelism. If you want something that's just much clearer, it's simply introducing people to Jesus. There simply will not be transformation in our communities unless the people in these communities are transformed by the power of the gospel and raised to new life in Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. There just won't be change. We, we want to see a community where there is less crime and where families are together and we want to see a community where people are not stuck under the bondage of debt so often. All of these things are the kingdom of heaven coming to earth and are beautiful and we want to see that and we have a, place, a role to play in, in enacting that change. But ultimately, heart change is what we want to see and only God can do that. Again, we need a hunger for God. But we want to see the power of the gospel transforming people's lives as we introduce them to Jesus. This map, I actually do keep this in my backpack. It's not just a sermon illustration for today. Um, I printed it out maybe four, five, six months ago 
um, and it's of Canning Vale, um, Thornley, Huntingdale, Southern River, uh, Pierre Waters and Harrisdale, so the sort of suburbs in our general region. And um, uh, when I printed this out, uh, I did some research um, on the, these particular two areas, Piara Waters and Harrisdale, which are the newer de newest development suburbs around us. Um, together, they're starting to match the population of Canning Vale. That's how quickly they're growing, so up around 30,000 probably now, um, or more even. And I was wondering, oh, what church presence is there? What churches are in those area? I looked into it. And all I could find was, um, so Cary Baptist is at one each end of that kind of general area with their two campuses. Great church, love their people, love their pastors, know them personally, excellent church. Then there's um, in, the, in the, the, city, uh, the high school, there's a couple of much smaller ethnic congregations. And as far as I can tell, a couple, other than a couple of other little church plants that haven't continued on, that's it. That's all the churches that are in that area, which is similar to Canningvale, which has got heaps of churches. Now, I know that you don't need church buildings in a particular area in order to take the gospel to those, but we're to be like salt and light scattered through every nook and cranny as the body of Christ. But how present and how visible is the church in those communities of 30,000 people? Do, do we, how much do we care as, the, as the, the body of Christ about the eternity of, of Mr. and Ms. Canningvale, Mr. and Mrs. Harrisdale, Mr. and Mrs. Piara Waters, Southern River, Huntingdale, etc.? If we're to see our vision realised, our heart must break for them. And for me, this map has represented for a while the people in our area who don't yet know Jesus and whom Jesus is calling to himself so that they would know the Father. You know, for the next, um, uh, sorry, I just wanted to mention one thing, that is that you've noticed we've turned a different way um, in church from what we were last year. Um, it's a trial. We'll see how it works. If it's not going to work particularly well, we'll, we'll move back that way. But I, I wanted to uh, uh, say that if you see someone, while you're looking this way, if you see someone walking past on the pathway um, while I'm preaching, I give you permission to stop listening to my sermon, tune me out, and pray for them, that they would come, that they would be drawn by the Holy Spirit to God, that they would come to know Jesus too. So at some point, if I see you all bowing your heads and kind of doing this, I might just stop preaching for a minute, and we'll pray for whoever's Let's pray that the people around us would be drawn, not just to the church, but to God himself, and that we would be ready to share the good news with them. For the next nine Sundays um, up until Easter, finishing on Easter, we're going to do a series called, probably going to call it Life and Faith. And it's, it's covering just the basics, if you like, of, of what Christianity is all about. And it's going to be based on uh, some of the, uh, loosely based on some of the talks from um, the Alpha series. Some of you will know that. Um, the year sevens to tens, the Supercar will be doing... Um, uh, Youth Alpha, the kids are doing the same thing. So all of us together, every age group, is doing this. You might ask, well, why, why is that? Why are we doing that? And, and some of you might go, well, am I, you know, is that, isn't that going to be a little bit too simple? I've been walking with Jesus for a, a long time. Is that going to just, you know, am I going to get anything out of this? I want to encourage you to think about it this way. Firstly, we're doing this so that anyone who walks in the door, anybody who's even never stepped it through the doors of a church before, We'll be able to hear in basic terms what is 
the good news. What is the Christian message? What is this all about? Who is Jesus and what is he all about? But secondly, we're doing this so that we, you and I who, who do know Jesus, those of you who, for whom that is true in this room, will understand, uh, sorry, will we'll come to, a, uh, to be reminded of the simple beauty of the gospel and that it will rekindle a desire to, to share that with others, a, a desire to be, to be blown away by how amazing this good news is. I've done that, of course, like four times now, I think. Every single time I've been incredibly blessed with it. We're not doing the course as such, but using some of the content as a taster to give us a chance to say, you know what, this gospel is beautiful. Uh, it's, it still shapes and transforms my life, and I want to share it with others. I encourage you not to, um, yeah, just assume that it'll be oh, too simple and too, you know, no, this is not for me in the next nine weeks. But I'm confident it will enrich your faith too. Finally, the compass. This for me represents, I know it's not a compass, but just bear with me, represents for me something that has always been at the forefront of the billabong, and that is the next generation. Um, if we're ever unsure, the re- why, why the compass represents this for me, um, if we're unsure whether we're heading in the right direction, if we're staying obedient to the call God has put on our life as a church community, um, it's to look at whether we are effectively investing in our young people, to look in their direction and go, are we serving them well? And, and that doesn't mean that the older you are in this church, the less we value you. Quite the opposite. It means that the faith of one generation must be passed on to the next and then passed on to the next and then passed on to the next. You know what? We've not always done this right. We've not always um, uh, got it perfect, we, but we're committed to investing in our young people going forward no matter the cost. We, um, at the moment as a team, we're praying that God would help us to know to a point the right person as our family's pastor, um, who work in particularly in these generations. Um, we're praying that God will, will um, ask and, and, and challenge some of you to, uh, to serve in our children's ministry of various kinds, especially on a Sunday morning. Um, it's such an important investment that we make as believers in Jesus. So with all that in mind, you may ask, what then is the next checkpoint? What's the next step? Like if we're heading towards this ultimate vision, which is big and it's an only God thing, what's the next stop along the way? Well, it's a birthday party. And I'm excited that on the 31st of May, Pentecost Sunday this year, it's our 20, when we're going to celebrate our 20th birthday. Um, and we're going to celebrate the ways that hunger for God and radical community and people coming to Jesus and, and, and investing in the next generation have already been such strong marks, uh, strong things in our history as a church. Uh, I don't know if some of you would remember this, but the original, original vision, the original mountaintop vision, to know God, know and be known by our neighbours so that our neighbours would know God, hunger for God, introducing people to Jesus. Home groups, that radical community which so has marked the billabong. Children's ministries of so many different kinds all started from a playgroup, investing in the next generation. The community formed around living rooms and sheds and tents. It's made us, all of it's made us who we are today, right? We're collecting stories in the next couple of weeks of God's work in the Billabong over the last 20 years along those kinds of themes um, to share and to celebrate in a whole variety of ways, 
in the next three months. If you have a story that you're like, that was just a really brilliant moment or time in the billabong, we'd love to hear that story so that we can celebrate those stories together. And as we honour the past um, in this next three or four months, we also then begin to lean into the future. God's not finished with this church yet. Uh, I'll be honest, I don't know, and none of us know, exactly what some of those next checkpoints are going to be. But I know that, like so many previous seasons of the Billabong, um, they will be marked by only God moments, breakthroughs only God could enact. The passage of Scripture that we started with today, that this picture of the church as it can be, Acts chapter 2, 42 to 47, uh, it's possible, I think it's possible, when, when the church submits itself to the leading of the Holy Spirit, it's possible when ordinary people say, only you, God, your will be done, your kingdom come, Lord God, on earth as it is in heaven, corporate renewal, and transformation is always preceded by personal renewal. And so I, wanna, um, I was listening to some, some music last night, just praying for this morning, and uh, I heard this song, which I'd never heard before, and, and I want to play it for you now, just, just the recording. Um, it's called Spirit Lead Me. And I just encourage you this morning, as we, as we kind of begin this year, in a sense, um, to make this a prayer, to make it your prayer, um, maybe you don't feel hungry for God right now. You're like, well, I just don't feel it. But you want to. Maybe you don't feel excited and feel like, I, I just really want to commit myself to the Lord, I, but, you, but you know that's where you want to be. I just encourage you to make this a prayer. And then when we close the service today, um, to use this space down the front, if you wish, as kind of an altar, as some space to come and just pray, kneel, if you like. Um, to say, God, I, I'm, I'm not quite there, but I want to be. I want to be completely submitted to your will, that your will be done in my life. So let's listen to this song and, uh, and then we'll go from there.
Father, I want to pray this morning for those who are feeling worn, worn by the journey, Lord, uh, that in following you sometimes feels like the sun's beating down and our legs are getting tired and we've been walking through thorny bushes for so long that it just feels like we need to slow down and um, not just slow down, but maybe just stop and retreat. And Lord, you have put in place Sabbath rest for us that we would sometimes stop and retreat and rest and rejuvenate. Lord, but you don't want us to go backwards. And so, Lord, I pray for those who feel like they want to um, just give up right now or they, or they feel as if uh, it's, it's just a bit too difficult. I pray that the refreshing presence of your Spirit would fall upon them and that we experience the lightness of being yoked to Jesus. Jesus, you said your burden is easy and your yoke is light. And so, God, I thank you that as we receive your Holy Spirit, you make this whole journey not a, not a burden where we have to grit our teeth and, and, and put our, hands, our fists together and just power forward, but we can step with light, lightness in our step because you, Jesus, give us that, that freedom of just taking the next step that you put in front of us, of being obedient to you one step at a time. Father, I pray that those who, who, who need the refreshing of the Holy Spirit in this journey called faith, Lord, that you would minister them today and in this week going forward as they engage in your word, as they spend time with you. Lord, may there not be a blockage between your voice and their ears. Jesus, for our church, we pray this morning that you would open up the floodgates, that as we, as we continue to hunger for you and as we seek you first, that all other things will fall into place that as we allow our hearts to be broken for the people around us who need you, that we would then too be bonded together as the body of Christ in radical community and invest in that next generation and the next generation and the next generation. Lord, that we may leave a legacy that is lasting. So, Father, may our legacy always be Jesus, not how well we did things, May it be you, and only you. Lord, we commit this year to you, this historic year, this important year of celebrating being 20 and heading into the next decade. And we ask, Lord, that above all, your will would be done, your kingdom would come, and God, that you would be glorified in everything that we do and say. And all God's people said, Amen. So... If you want to spend a moment just to pray, um, and if you want someone to pray with you, you're also um, welcome to come to the front. We're happy to pray with you. But even if you just want to spend some time alone, just say, God, I really want that hunger back. Um, Just as Teresa now closes, invite you to use this space at the front. Thanks, Teresa.